So today, as we've heard mentioned, we're going to learn about humility. And we're actually going to learn that humility is not weakness, as some may think. In fact, according to God, it's a strength to know who you really are. That's wisdom. So let's have a little look at what James... James writes a general letter to a whole community of people. It's sent around to lots and lots of churches back in the early church times. And in it, we read a lot about wisdom. In fact, some people would say it's actually wisdom literature, like Proverbs. And James most likely knows so well about wisdom because, well, he may have been a follower of Jesus, he may have been an apostle of Jesus, he may even have been Jesus' brother. There's some debate about exactly who this James is. The point is, he's actually been taught well by the master. He's been taught well by Jesus. So let's have a look at James 3, 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth of it. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. We've got two passages to look at briefly today. This is our first one. So here we see James makes a distinction about wisdom, about knowledge and life. There's earthly wisdom, and for the people back then, the Greeks and the Romans, the thinking and philosophies of the day, Stoicism, you know, be strong, Epicurism, eat whatever you like and just have a great time in life. And then there's Plato with his truth, beauty, and love, I think, is the third one, and Aristotle, all these great and grand philosophers everywhere, and pretty much everyone was a philosopher in that society themselves. They all had ideas about stuff, or people followed them. And then you had the Jews. Well, their thinking and their knowledge revolved around the law, rules and regulations. We've talked about this before. What about us? Earthly wisdom... The media, newspapers, TV, Netflix as a subset of TV or the other way around, I don't know. Novels. What about self-help books? Can be useful. Earthly wisdom, mostly. There's a guy called Clifford Stoll. He said, data is not information. Information is not knowledge. Knowledge is not understanding, and understanding is not wisdom. So what is real wisdom? I'll say it again, Jackie. It's a good one, that one. Write it down. Write down those few words. Clifford Stoll. I like what he says. Data is not information. Information is not knowledge. Knowledge is not understanding, and understanding is not wisdom. I'll give you my paper later. (laughs) So what is real wisdom? Real wisdom, according to the scripture we just read, is heavenly wisdom. It's God's wisdom. 
the kingdom of God, wisdom, truth and knowledge lived out. It's pure, it's sincere, it's genuine. Heavenly wisdom has integrity. It has humility, which reminds me of a garden story. And as many of you know, I'm not a gardener. But it does remind me of a garden story. And you're going, how is this a garden story? There's no garden mentioned in this passage. Well, I'm going to tell you, there is. There's a little word in there. Prautati in the Greek. Translated as meekness, gentleness, and in the NIV as humility. This little but very important word, humility, always sends me back to the Garden of Eden the story of beginnings, to Genesis, the story of the creator and creation. You see, the English word humility comes from the word humus, the word for dirt or dust. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. You may have heard that phrase before. It's an excellent reminder in the scriptures there, an excellent reminder, this little word humility, about who we really are, created, amazingly created, but not the creator. We are amazing humans. There's that humus, humans, amazing humans, but not God. So godly, heavenly wisdom is about humility and includes actions and attitudes. Attitudes and actions. Attitudes around self-understanding, knowing who we are. Indeed, as I said, created, amazing, but according to the story, not God. Then there's another thing around attitude. I read a bunch of books. I think I've mentioned these before. The characters had to learn to say, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know how we get blah, 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 you know, this is right. I could be wrong. We don't often do that, do we? We're usually on about our thing, whatever that thing is. I could be wrong. And then this scripture that we just read talked about having an attitude of gratitude. Remember that phrase? An attitude of gratitude. Some of you may have heard it. Understanding and experiencing life as blessing and abundance rather than lack. Rather than focusing on what we're missing out on, I haven't got health or wealth or influence, I haven't got the thing that goes on my wrist or on my shoes or the thing I live in or the thing I drive, whatever the thing may be, or people don't notice me. I'm not a person of influence. Focus, James says, on what you have. Be grateful and remember Jesus didn't have health, wealth either. He did have influence though, but in a very different way as we know. We read in Philippians and that little video clip was a great reminder. Jesus actually chose to set aside glory and power to serve us. Communion was a great reminder today and should always be a great reminder of what Jesus has done for us. So, being thankful, grateful, but we'll talk a little bit more about thankfulness in a minute when we look at our next passage. So I've mentioned 
Around humility, there are attitudes, but there are also actions, actions that lead to peace. We read about that. Shalom, kingdom of heaven ways now, God's ways now. But what's that look like? Well, Jesus, Jesus showed us, didn't he, through his birth, through his life, and through his death, what it means to be the humble servant He washed his disciples' feet when they'd walked through mud, sewer, all the rubbish on the streets. He ate with so-called sinners and he went to the cross, as we were reminded. The actions that we're called to are purposeful actions that bless others, that encourage one another. They're considerate submissive, full of mercy are the words we read because we've been blessed to be a blessing. So hear this version of James 3.18 from Harvey Clark's version of the Bible. The person who truly knows God and wants to do what God says is right will work on his relationships with those around him. He will be above all, above all else, a peacemaker. Peacemaker. It can be hard sometimes to be a peacemaker. And let's recognise, as communion also reminds us, of Jesus' resurrection, there's always hope, fresh starts, new beginnings. So let's have a little bit more of a look at the detail of humility, the detail of actions that represent humility. So we're going to look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, and before this verse 12, there's a whole lot of information there about what Jesus has done, what Jesus has done for us. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, Gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul writes to these folks. We've just read it. They've got a clear purpose. Not only are they created, they've been chosen chosen for a purpose, to know God's love for them, but also to share God's love in Christ with each other and beyond. Paul writes to encourage them in their life together as Christian family, as the body of Christ, gathered and living together in Colossae. So Paul says, therefore, in light of all that Christ, the humble servant of God, has done to restore relationship with God and with you and to have positive partnership with God, and with others, put on the new self, he says in a verse we didn't read. 
Put on the new self. Here he says, clothe yourselves. Choose. Actively choose to put on the outfit, we might say. And the outfit is a servant's outfit. It's not a warrior outfit like in Ephesians. And there's layer dressing. Layer dressing looks like compassion. Compassion's that gut feeling, empathy that churns you up and prompts you to do something. It's understanding. There's kindness. Humility and gentleness. Humility here is that word, exactly the Greek word, that's used in the Philippians 2 passage where Jesus chooses to lower himself and to come to earth as a baby and to do all that he did. But the word gentleness here is also a humility word. It's the humility word we read about in James just a little bit before. And it's the word for meekness, for lowliness. So another word for humility in the Greek. Humility, gentleness. A double dose of lowly humility is what's called for in our layer dressing. And then, of course, Paul always mentions in community the word patience or long-suffering. I wonder why. Saying all this, though, just a little sidebar, boundaries and personal safety are still really important. doesn't mean you can be a pushover. You choose for humility. And then, as we read, he goes on, bearing with one another and forgiving grievances, but we don't have those here, do we? Forgiving grievances as the Lord forgave you. Being lenient, it says in Harvey's version of the Bible. And on top of all this layer dressing, put on, bind the whole lot together. That's the phrase. Bind it with an apron. Well, that's what I think he's saying. Others might say something else. But I'm going to suggest to you an apron. Hey, I've been watching MasterChef. The receptionist at my physio is in it. Tati, the Indonesian, satay cooker extraordinaire. So I'm thinking MasterChef, the outfit. On top of all that stuff, put on the apron so that this outfit is perfectly, harmoniously functional as well as looking right. I mean, seriously. Not only for those in Christian community but for those on the outside looking in, as they most certainly are. We've gone through a royal commission that's reminded us about that. As disciples, we can't just dress to impress or say the stuff and not live it. We have a call to live with integrity, says both James and Paul to the Colossians. Not only looking the part, but being the part, because it's the quality of our witness that counts. And so we put on the apron, and it's the apron of love. Putting on the apron of love, the apron of humble service, helps with creating that perfect dish that's called peace. Christ's peace. Let the message, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let Christ's peace 
rule and govern your attitudes and your actions, your hearts, your very being. A purpose of the church in the world is living together harmoniously, is bringing peace, as it is bringing light to those in darkness and sharing good news with those who don't have it, being hope bearers. Living out our call to live harmoniously, Paul says, means choosing to be thankful, living life with grace, with gift, because that's the word here. And doesn't gift assume a giver? We give thanks to God. We have good perspective on what our life is about. And choosing, allowing the message of Christ to dwell in us richly, to understand how rich Jesus' teaching is, well, I figure it's a little bit like gravy poured over everything. We'll understand this message of Jesus, as Paul says, though, and this is where there's responsibility across the board, when we teach one another, that's what it said. I looked up the word teach. Teachers may know what teach means. I checked it up in the thesaurus and it says, educate, tutor, school, instruct, edify. All these things we can do for each other. Coach, train, lecture. How are you going at lecturing one another? (laughs) Then, as we read up there, admonish one another. What a word. Sounds like such an old-fashioned word. Well, I checked that one up in the thesaurus too. It says reprove, caution, warn about, give a warning, reprimand, rebuke. How's that going for you with each other? Reproach, tell off. We shouldn't do that in Christian community, should we? Well, Paul says we should. He reckons don't tell people that they shouldn't do this or that. He doesn't mince with his words at all, does he? But, there's always a but in scripture. And I'm finding myself saying that quite a lot lately. There's always a but. Here it says, do it with all wisdom. Back to where we started in the book of James. Genuine wisdom, God's wisdom, is the wisdom of love, as we find it in the life and teachings of Jesus, as we find it in Scripture, which is why I think Paul writes about teaching one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Back then, that was the way they learnt, and telling stories. That's how people remembered And have you ever found yourself, you're humming, you're singing the words of a song you've maybe heard at church? You may also be finding yourself humming and singing a song you've heard on the radio and then you listen to the words and you go, this is rubbish, absolute rubbish, some of these songs. But when you've got songs like the ones we hear in our gatherings or maybe you've got a CD or what's that thing? Spotify, that thing. You're listening to those songs Those words come back to remind you, teaching you. See, back then, people didn't have the privilege of knowing how to read and write. It was only the elite, the wealthy, the high-class people that were able to read and write. Most people couldn't. 
Our little granddaughter June is three and a half now and she's singing, singing along with singing in the bath or singing in the car, like with her Opa Michael, crazy hiking songs we call them in our family. (laughs) Silly songs, songs that don't mean much, but she's learning, she's remembering as a song. Some of you may know it. There was an old woman who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll know. What was that one about, I wonder? The only thing that I could think that one was about, keep your mouth shut while you're eating. (laughs) I don't know, is that wisdom? Maybe that's wisdom. Maybe a better song for little ones to learn might be something like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We learn, don't we? Things are reinforced as we sing, as we sing together, as we tell stories too. Well, we can teach each other in this way. But Paul goes on and he says, Layered on the gravy of Jesus' teaching, this rich teaching, is a sprinkle of seasoning. Do all of this life together stuff, do it with gratitude. Do it with thankfulness in your heart. There's that word again. Have a little look. The word thankfulness or gratitude comes up a few times. Do it with thankfulness in your hearts. There's that whole being thing again. The whole point, Paul says, is whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Speak and act in the way Jesus did, verse 17, and always with thanks to God. He says it again, just in case we disciples didn't hear it for the first or the second time. Give God the credit. That's a very strong theme in Jesus' life. You'll have noticed that as you read the Gospels. Give thanks. Give thanks to God. So what have we learned today? First, Creator God is the source of true wisdom. So let's have the wisdom of God. Let's seek and grow in the wisdom of God, teaching one another, admonishing one another. We've often mentioned in this space spiritual habits or disciplines, reading scripture, praying for discernment, times of silence and solitude where you allow God to speak to you. So that's the first thing. But there's three little words I'd like you to remember. Attitudes, action and apron. Attitude of humility. Know who and whose you are. You are created by a created God, not a God and therefore not better or less than anyone else. Learn to say, I could be wrong. James puts it this way a little bit later in chapter 5. Confess your sins, your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities to one another and pray for each other. And an attitude of gratitude. Recognise the gift of life. Recognise blessing. Open your eyes. Be grateful. So attitude, action, servanthood. Leading the good life as Jesus did with and for others. An apron. Above all, remember the apron.
the apron of love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Attitudes, action, apron, the wisdom of God. If that's all too much to remember, just remember God's wisdom is love. Amen. Let me read this prayer and say this blessing. Lord, we expect good things from you because you are good and you promise to give to those who ask. Teach us to know not only how to ask, but also for what we should ask. May all our asking, seeking and knocking be to further your kingdom in some way, no matter how small or mundane. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness of life, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing and once again into our doors. God bless each and every one of you. May you have the eyes to see God's blessings for you. Have a great week.